Here we go. We're going to get kooky. <laughs> Hip, hop, hook, hap, happy, hippie, witchy, dop, bitchy, witch, witchy, witch, we do it every day. Hey, hey. magic with a K. Treating naysayers to some sass. Teaching witch haters they can kiss our ass. We know as above, so below, so we go. To know, to dare, to will, to be. Shh. Magic's not a destination, it's our natural orientation. Magic's who we are, made of space, you're a star. Magic's what we do, me and you. Whoop-a-doo! Hippie Witch, season two. Man, that, that was a good one. Hi, thanks for joining me for episode 458 of Hippie Witch, Magic for a New Age. My name is Joanna DeVoe, and I am the groovy creatrix behind Kick-Ass Witch, putting the K in magic, and Hippie Witch, the show you are listening to right now. I also have a free ebook by that name, Hippie Witch, Peace, Love, and all that good shit, and you can pick up a copy of that at www.joannadevoe.com or back on the description page for this episode back on Blog Talk Radio where you will also find a link to today's patron of the month, Mariella Janelle of the Care Neighborhood. We are going to be talking about the holy, magical work of listening, what I would call deep listening. And what's funny is... Right when I sat down to do this, my neighbors started making a lot of noise. They have a lot of family parties, and they'll bump their music and play, and it's all very happy. It actually makes me happy when I'm not trying to record something because it's just pure joy. But the last time they did this, it sounds like they might be setting up for that right now, so I'm going to keep it brief. I'm going to keep the intro here brief. So hopefully I can squeeze it in before the partying starts happening. But the last time that happened, I was like, oh my gosh, they're doing it again. I can't believe it. Because I was just about to sit down and record something. And Tanner, my son, he goes, well, they're just having fun. (laughs) I was like, okay, fine, fine. How can you argue with that? You just can't. And the irony is we're talking about community largely today, like being a part of a neighborhood. And this is my neighborhood. So welcome to the neighborhood, everybody. Speaking of which, thank you so much to the patrons who have really formed the neighborhood within the neighborhood over on Patreon and Discord. Thank you all for supporting the show. And a special shout out, a special thank you to new patrons, Angie Lebling and... Rachel Corrales Lopez. Thank you. Thank you for joining in the fun over there. I hope you have found your way over to Discord because that's where the other people are. And you may even bump into today's guest over there. Mariella Janelle is somebody who I have gotten to know through that community who is now starting her own community. And she can explain far better in her own words than I can what that is. But I did want to ask that you maybe just listen to this interview with an ear for how what she is saying about listening to understand and form valuable community might also be useful in dealing with each other outside our core communities, especially during this time of what I would call civil unrest and heightened tensions between political parties 
and the haves and the have-nots and government officials and the community and this country and that country and us versus them. I think there might be some clues in here for how we might better facilitate a better world for us all, which I know sounds like, well, especially when I say it like this, but it sounds like a Pollyanna, Joanna, pie in the sky, lofty goal, like peace for everyone. I'm not saying peace for everyone is 100% possible, but it's definitely worth moving toward and doing everything we can to help. There's a lot of room for improvement. So I feel like now's the time to make some big leaps in that direction. And that that's a great dream to have in your heart. Also, aren't we in the business of dreams? Isn't that, isn't that what we do? Why do we love magic so much if we're not trying to create what I like to call the kick-ass life of our dreams? Whether that is the kind of love we want or financial freedom or Whatever it is we're using our magic to create, why are we doing that? What are we doing all this for? And in terms of just the Hippie Witch podcast, isn't that what we have been talking about here month after month for years? Like creating the kick-ass life of your dreams. I don't see talking about social justice and human rights as off-brand with any of that at all. To me, it feels right on the nose because what could be a more kick-ass life than one that fosters freedom for all, like the freedom to be who we are, to love who we love, and call ourselves by a name of our own choosing, and to move through the streets and the halls of academia and religion and governance without the sinking suspicion that we are not welcome there or that just by wearing a dark hoodie on a chilly night walking home from the grocery store, our lives might be in danger. That to me does not feel like a lofty dream. And it also feels like something we shouldn't have to fight for. And yet here we are. So how do we emerge from this battle victorious? I think what Mariella calls the holy magical work of listening is part of it. Listening to understand. I also feel that we can apply what we as a magical community know about the shadow and entities of fear. What we know about these things personally, I feel like we can apply them to society at large. So you know, we learn these things for ourselves, but then we can actually extend that wisdom to our friends and families. We can have challenging conversations with our coworkers and parents and even our kids as whatever you deem as a parent age appropriate. And I feel that we must because we want to win hearts and minds. That's what I think the marching is about. That's what I think all these phone calls to senators and money being donated and people actually laying their lives on the line for this cause. I think ultimately we want to win hearts and minds, even if someone's not holding that as their intention in the forefront of their mind. My personal understanding of social justice is that 
it is about changing laws, but to me, that's the short-term goal, the immediate emergency goal. We have to have those legal protections in place, but in the long-term, lasting change will be found in the changing of hearts and minds of millions of people, which as people who practice psycho-spiritual magic, we know we can do. We know we can at least do it for ourselves. This is our wheelhouse. So why not apply these skills we've developed to deal with our own pain and shame and shitty old programming to the greater collective? I know... Saying stuff like this might get some pushback, and I totally welcome the debate, but I believe that pure evil, whatever that may be, is far rarer than hate born of fear and bred on ignorance, which I understand that kind of hate can then be leveraged by evil and often is, but isn't that even more reason to reach into those hearts and minds to turn the beat around. Like to me, that feels like an emergency too because people that have not been programmed in the kind of fear that leads to othering and hatred, they cannot be used as tools. They cannot be used as weapons of oppression against their fellow human beings. So I also, I want to say too, I know that it is not the job of black people or queer people or disabled people or people of color to bring racist, homophobic people up to speed. It's not their job to do that. I'm not saying they should do that, but I want to make it my job. I might want to make it my job. I might want to listen to that fear like listen to understand so that I can speak to it directly. Because as a lifelong peacekeeping Libra, <laughs> I know that quality, it can be a curse, it can be a blessing as all, you know, personal qualities are. It's, it's polarity. Like you pick up that stick, you get both ends of it. So we can be really annoying that way, but also it's a handy gift. And something that might be useful in certain situations. So if I see an opportunity to employ that gift, to have the kind of conversations that might potentially at least plant seeds of change, I'm going to do it. I'm going to go for it. I'm going to see what happens. And maybe this podcast is one of those opportunities because you never know who is listening. I'd also, just to further drive this whole Pollyanna-Joanna vibe home, I would like to say that there are many shitty mind memes about how people suck and everyone is essentially selfish and fuck people. (laughs) They never quite resonate with me because I know it's not true. I mean, it is true that people can sometimes suck and be selfish. But it's also true that there are many, many, many kind people in the world. There are people who devote their lives to a line of work or service that is all about caring for, managing, taking care of something bigger than themselves. Because, hear me out now, I know this is a radical idea, but they actually care 
about people and nature and animals. Our community, the spiritual community is filled with people like that. I meet them all the time. And I hope this talk with my friend Mariella will serve as a reminder of that. So without any further delay, here she is, patron of the month, mother, wife, hospital chaplain, humanist celebrant, and kick-ass creatrix of the Care Neighborhood. Hello, Mariella Janelle. Welcome to Hippie Witch. Thank you, Joanna. It's good to be here. Yay. I get to talk to you frequently, so it's really fun to get to have you on the show and let everyone hear what you're all about because you are an inspiring person for sure. You inspire me all the time just in being your thoughtful self on the daily, and I bet you don't even know that you do that for people, but someone will share something really sensitive and you're always there with just the right thing to say. You're such a supportive person. And I just want to say that at the top here that I really appreciate that about you. Oh, I appreciate you saying that. I want to be supportive. I think that's intentional to hold space for how people are and I don't want to just get into everything, but I, I kind of see people as sacred And so I just believe that listening and being attentive to their needs is holy, magical work. Wow. I've never heard you say that. That's so powerful. I'm so excited. It's on the podcast. People are sacred. That is something that we can all take forward with us. And I feel like that is a very necessary attitude to have right now if we're going to create the kind of changes that so many people are wanting. Yeah, exactly. I think that's kind of where my magical self matches my humanist self, which I talk about sometimes that I'm a a humanist chaplain and celebrant. And so I think that things start with each person and their ability to change themselves and change the world around them, interacting with their environment. I think it comes down to humanity and each person's experience. You are actually in the process of launching something called the Care Neighborhood. I love the name of it because that is what it is. (laughs) I know that that's your intention and that's what you're creating. But you also use terms that I was not familiar with before I got to know you. And so I thought, here, here's a good example. This is from your website. Can I read you to you? <laughs> sure. You say, I'm a hospital chaplain, chaplain educator in training, and celebrant endorsed as a humanist. Generally, I identify as non-theistic, but specifically, I lean toward being a pantheist. I'm like, okay, let's unpack all of these terms right now. Like, let's just start with humanist. What does it mean to be a humanist? So a humanist is someone who would center the ability of humans rather than uh, divinity to bring good in the world as a working definition. That's a good definition. That was an aha moment for me. So I think that works for people who believe in God because they can then say God works through humans and it works for people who are atheists. Yes. So there can be secular humanists or spiritual humanists. I'm kind of in a weird 
setting because I identify as like a pantheist humanist. So I don't necessarily think that there's a separate personal deity, but I'm okay with people who do. And as a chaplain, I interact with people who do all the time. But I think that, like I said, people are sacred and I think nature is sacred and all of that interconnected is like a a holy whole is the divine is love is truth is hope is goodness. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Or at least it can be because it can also be kind of shit sometimes too, but that's just reality. Well, okay. So pantheist, you want to describe pantheist, what a pantheist is? Sure. So a basic idea of pantheism is that God is everything. And for me, I would say that everything is somewhat sacred and divine. Mm -hmm. So I can connect with those concepts, like I was saying, of love, of goodness, of truth, just through nature and just through another person. So being a humanist pantheist, I'm wondering about the centering of humans in humanism. Is that about taking responsibility? Because when I think of a pantheist, I think of not centering humans. Do you know what I mean? Mm. So how do those two things come together is it is humanism really just about taking responsibility in a way that maybe in the past people just put that on God and now we're like no 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 we can we can do these things that we're waiting for some magical entity to step in and do for us I like the way you said that for sure and for me it is for me it's about responsibility so um I think we've talked about this, you and I, Joanna, in our uh, dream team calls, because part of my goals in addition to the care neighborhood is that certified educator component. So um, I've been working on what's my spiritual care philosophy, (laughs) and it centers on people have the responsibility to care for themselves and to care for others. Yeah. Your your tagline for... The Care Neighborhood is a place for creativity, connection, and coziness, which I personally, as a Hugo witch, appreciate the coziness inclusion there. <laughs> and when I hear you talk about being an educator, being mm-hmm. a chaplain, being a humanist, being a pantheist, being the kick-ass creatrix of the Care Neighborhood, to me, it's all the same. It's all this expression of who you are. It all works so beautifully together. It feels like the same purpose to me. Does it feel like that to you, or does it feel kind of like, ah, all the things? A little bit of both. <laughs> Something feels <laughs> like, ah, all the things. Like, even in this interview, as we're talking, I'm like, oh, I'm mentioning this, and this is coming in, but I don't know if we're losing the track, and it's sort of like, here's something, and so passionate thought, and then here's another question. So, but it is integrated, because I rejected it for a while, but I think ultimately my vision and mission of my life is to be a caregiver and maybe to teach other people how to be caregivers as well as well yes because I think uh, not just caregivers for themselves but caring within community and accepting care from their community Mm -hmm. I also had no idea what a chaplain was or a hospital chaplain I don't even know if I'm saying it correctly am I saying it correctly Hospital chaplain, yes. Chaplain. So the L-A-I-N is an in, chaplain. 
Mm -hmm. It is. Okay. So tell us what a chaplain is. What do you do? (laughs) I was just laughing with my colleague about this yesterday because there was a patient who came in with a gunshot wound and he had to be on standby for about three hours. And he checked in with the staff. He checked in with the family. He asked the patient how they were doing, but there wasn't really a lot to do. It's almost a job that's more about being and being available and holding space and doing less because you're not really trying to manipulate what's happening. And a lot of times you can't intervene in any of the outcomes like a medical professional would, but you want to be empathetic. You want to point people to solutions that they might be coming up for themselves and be like a a sounding board, a listening agent, point to the resources that they have and accept those, even if they're different than yours. Like if someone presents their faith, that's different than your own as a resource, then you affirm that for them and connect them with, with other people and resources that they might need. So your, your friend was in the room with this gunshot victim and his experience is you just, you're in the room with this person that's been shot and is waiting to go see the doctor, the ER. Is that what I'm getting here? <laughs> Cause I, it sounds so, if I was shot, I would not be calm. I can tell you that I'd be like, ah, three hours. I'm dying. Help me. So a lot, yeah, a lot goes on in the ER and it's complicated. It's a complicated time and there's still, there's things going on and the person may or may not be calm, but it was a lot for the, the chaplain of, well, there's not much to do except be there in some situations. And, and other times I've talked to patients with new diagnosis and then there's some review of life of what might change for them because of the diagnosis. And there's more work that's akin to counseling on that end. Yeah. I was going to say, is this, it feels therapeutic. It feels like you potentially are like coaching or being a therapist for these people if they want that. In a way, there is a distinction between chaplaincy and therapy, but it's complicated to get into. And I would want to pull out my notes on it, but yes, in a way, yes. And and that differs from when it's a trauma, like a gunshot or a fall or a car accident. Because in those situations, like I said, there's not much that you can change, but, but to be a calming presence and to, uh, at the same time, not push the person who's experiencing that to be calm as well, but just to be open to how they're experiencing it and what the resources that they present for themselves to deal with it. So maybe it's realizing that the person needs to have a conversation with the doctor to get more information. And then that will help them process what's happening and that they will be anxious and mad until you can push for that doctor to come in the room and talk to them. Mm. So how does someone get a chaplain when you're in a hospital? Are you just assigned to people or do people say, get me a chaplain? Like, how does this happen? So it depends on the hospital system. So 
I work for a hospital system that started out as faith-based. So chaplains are pretty integrated into all of the care. They mean it to be holistic. So to meet both physical, emotional, mental, spiritual needs. At other hospitals, chaplains are assigned by unit. And I think at other hospitals, they are assigned by faith base so that they might have enough chaplains for a patient to request a particular faith base. Well, when you're saying faith based, I'm going to imagine this is definitely an assumption, but originally this was the Christian faith, right? When they started the church, is that true? Or the <laughs> hospital? The hospital, yes, it was started by uh, Christian denominations. So how and does that, that work? Like with you being a humanist, being, I know, a witchy humanist, are they actively seeking people like you for people of a variety of beliefs and faiths? Like what if a Muslim comes in? Do they assign them a Muslim chaplain or do they assign them someone like you who's just very open and happy to serve or... You know, how does a Christian serve a Muslim if they have a judgment on that is my question. Well, essentially to be certified as a chaplain, which I'm not yet, I'm in the process. You have to be willing to provide interface care that's non-judgmental. Hmm. So the hospital system was Christian, but they knew they wanted to provide care to the whole community. So that's my understanding there. And then chaplaincy as a field started with Christians and has predominantly used Christian language. It still does to this day, although it's become much more inclusive of a variety of faiths. So I'm in a funny position that I have a lot of open liberal colleagues who see the world and divinity and life quite differently than I do. And they accept me and I accept them. So I think you're a great person to be in that system. Something I really wanted to talk about today because it's pride month and you've been hosting something called parts of pride on Instagram, where you're featuring just different people that are inspiring that are, queer and the support of that. You know, I, I really mess up the language around this. So maybe you should tell me what Pride Month means to you and Hearts of Pride. As a woman who's married to a woman, I really wanted to ask you about that experience. Okay. That'll be more fun to talk about. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, I think that's all. Fun. I mean, it's fascinating. It's fascinating to me. What you do, I think is really, really interesting. And because it was new to me, I was like, Oh, let's unpack this language because I feel like if I don't understand it, then probably other people don't. And you're the perfect person to explain these things because you're so thoughtful with your words and it's cool. Chaplain, I get it. But okay. now, yeah. What about, what about pride month though? Like hearts of pride, all these things being married to a woman, you just go where you want to go with this. So I'll start with hearts of pride. I wanted to do Hearts of Pride because I wanted to just have little pieces of people sharing their heart about support for LGBTQIA persons and their heart about being proud of themselves and accepting themselves and that to be an example for other people who maybe have not felt that. So I've had just a few 
features of people, of podcasts, of different things that's going on. The one I'm doing today is going to be about the Community Renewal Society. And they're going to be doing a spiritual care devotion, open-minded for LGBTQIA persons. And I'm going to be writing on that. Can I interrupt you for one second for people like me? I keep saying queer because I have a hard time remembering L. Can even, I'm even just afraid to attempt it. I cannot ever remember. I need to like put it on my computer so I can always remember to say it correctly. L G. L G B T Q I A would be the long one, but even that is not inclusive of everyone who might right. be in queer community. So I like queer, but not everyone does. Okay, so do, what does all that stand for? Lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, queer, or questioning, intersex, and asexual. Wow. Oh, did I say trans? Trans. Yes, you did. Yes, you okay. did. Yes, you did. Okay. Well, trans lives matter, so I'll, I'll say it twice. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think language matters, and I think that this it keeps continuing to grow. They keep adding new new letters, and I I am always afraid I'm going to say it wrong because I don't want to leave anybody out, and I don't want to be offensive. So I hereby say, can we get a word? Just a word that just says everyone. I don't know what that would be, but. Yeah, it's, it's hard because it's not it's not everyone. We're saying everyone except heterosexual people. Is that correct? I would say both cis hetero. Cis hetero. So people whose gender identity matches their assigned sex at birth would be okay. cisgender. Okay, yes, yes. Okay, and I'm getting this. Would be people who that's complicated. <laughs> I know, I, but it's good to talk about it because I think, again, language matters. And I feel like if I'm confused, like what you just said, like cis and heterosexual, those are not the same things. And I'm trying to figure this all out so that I can be inclusive and thoughtful mm-hmm. and considerate of other people. So I'm really excited that you're explaining this right now. I appreciate that. I think the the biggest thing that, and it's something that you do, is to want to be thoughtful and inclusive and to listen to other people and to accept people's own ways of saying who they are. Yes. You might get different answers if you ask different people in the queer plus community, if I was going to put a quick way of saying that. And even just now, I I stumbled over the idea of heterosexual because it seems almost regressive, like the idea that somebody is has their gender identity match their sex assigned at birth, who loves someone who also is in that category. I'm like, well, how many people really is that? And gender is complicated and we know that it's a spectrum and you have aspects of masculine and feminine in every person so I think this is a phase that we're going through because we are having to make laws to protect people and so we need this language right now but I hope that we get to a point where 
your sexuality, your gender is not a factor when you get a job or you, you know, it's not, I think this is a conversation we have to have right now, Mm -hmm. but I, I can see a future where it's all just fluid and wherever you are on the spectrum, you're just a human. You are a human person and we value that the end and your sexuality is between you and sexual partners and, you know, or your best friends who you want to share that with. And so to me, I feel like perhaps this is a moment that we need to have in terms of the evolution of where we're going with this. I like that. I like what you're saying there. One of the podcasts that I shared on the Care Neighborhood for Hearts of Pride is Gender Reveal. And what do they say? It's where they try to discover what the hell gender is. And at <laughs> the host, they ask, what's the future of gender? And they say things that are very similar to what you're saying. And I think I've been doing some reading and research, but not enough to really start quoting things or give you all the references now. But the whole idea of a gender binary is not, it's not natural to a lot of cultures. It Mm -hmm. it comes from kind of a Eurocentric and colonial mindset. So I think that we may evolve past this idea of feminism, you know, per se. Mm -hmm. I'm actually pretty excited to be a part of this particular moment because so many things are changing and I guess I just like change and I love change that's moving in a direction that I think is healthy and will help everybody live a freer life. It's really about freedom. I think so. I think freedom is a great word. And just before you said that, I was thinking the same thing. So that's really cool. The freedom to be who you are, just period, just to be who you are and not have to explain who you are. Right now we're in an explaining phase (laughs) because we need to understand each other and we need to protect each other. This is about protecting each other. But the care neighborhood that you're creating is extremely inclusive and you know, I said, oh, we'll talk for 20 or 30 minutes. And I haven't even really gotten to ask you in depth about the care neighborhood, which I hope people will go check out. But I'm also really wanting to follow up on what's it like to be married to a woman and and to be parents. What's that like? You're in Illinois, right? Yes. What's that experience been like for you? I can talk to that. Um, Yeah, because it's interesting, the idea, oh, a woman married to a woman, and we just had this whole conversation of how complex gender is. Mm, So I guess it would like to be married to Allison. We don't really have any clear expectations for roles in the relationship Mm -hmm. because they're not dictated by society. So we get to set our own roles. And it's really important to me to communicate expectations in a relationship. And I think that problems come about when you have an unspoken expectation for your partner that they don't know. This is a good lesson for everyone regarding gender because this gets couples into trouble all the time, assuming that because he's a man, he will be this way and he needs to do this and this is his job. Like we are 
all individuals. So what you're saying, I think applies to every relationship ultimately. I think so too. Yeah. I think ultimately it's helpful for anyone because sometimes it's not necessarily whether men or women, but you might, I might have an expectation of my role as a partner based on what I saw uh, my role in my family of origin being. Mm -hmm. And if my new family, a new relationship doesn't make room for that role, I might try to take it anyway. Ah, yeah. And so I need to be aware of that in myself. And when I realize it, communicate to my partner that that might be what I'm doing. So, and Allison has her own, that's my wife. (laughs) So Allison has her own family of origin and role that she took. and, And she has other patterns from other relationships as well as I do. So we bring that together and we have to keep balancing out with each other to to go toward maybe a mutual end or to leave space for each of us to be our own person in times and ways Mm -hmm. Um, just to avoid codependency, which is a big can of worms. I mean, I would say it's fun overall though, because there's a lot of shared experience between us and because we've been willing to make our own story and just celebrate the the freedom of being who we are. That's all that makes the relationship fun and an adventure. And I think it relates caring in a um, committed relationship, like an intimate committed relationship is not that different to me than caring in other relationships in a community, like to listen to each other, to, to say when I realize I had unspoken expectations that the other person wasn't meeting and that's why I'm pissed off (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. to be able to say that to anyone is good and to set boundaries to say yes we're in relationship and we're connecting with each other and we're working on things together but there are times where this is about me and that is about you and I'm not going to take on everything that you are doing or be your like your facilitator for what you have on, I have my own life and process and things that are going on. So to be interconnected, but autonomous at the same time. This is why I say you're so on point with your purpose, because you take this understanding to everything. You take it to your marriage, you take it to being a parent, you take it to the care neighborhood, you take it to your work as the hospital chaplain. You said something, I'm just going to link to this post that I keep quoting you from so people can kind of get to know you because it really is a getting to know you post. There's a picture of you and Allison on your wedding day that it got me choked up partly because I know you and I care about you and partly just because it's a very joyful photograph and very beautiful. And that's on this post that I will link to. But you said of the care neighborhood that I am choosing to oversee the care neighborhood because I want this to be an ethical trust building neighborhood. And when I hear you talking about boundaries and listening, I think who better to launch this thing and to oversee it. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. I think I want to be clear that, that there isn't a huge agenda that's focused on self in this. I think that's a big boundary for me. I just want it to be 
like I say, a place for creativity, connection, and, and coziness. So I'm opening the space and I'm going to be leading things in it, rituals and discussions and starting celebrations like Hearts of Pride or doing pet blessings. And at the same time, it's not just about me. And I want to make sure that I'm aware of my own biases and own experience that can filter everything through and not to let that happen. Does that make sense or did I get off track there? No, it makes No, I'm listening. I'm learning deep listening from my friend Mariella. I'm learning a lot this year from you, I have to say. (laughs) So I was actually just listening and taking it in and thinking, you're not going to mess this up. It's just not possible because it's not in you. It's just not in your nature to impose yourself on people that way. And you're always checking in, which again, I think is so great for the care neighborhood. What I love about it, the way that I understand your vision is it's going to be a great place for community to gather who feels like they're missing that component of church because a lot of the listeners of the podcast, they grew up in the church, whatever that looked like for them. And that's one thing that people miss. They miss the community. You know, if you're sick, people from the church will bring you a lasagna, you know, they'll, they'll water your yard. They come to the funeral. That's important to you. They come to your wedding. These things are very, very important. And if you don't agree with the religion you grew up in and you leave the church, you also are leaving that behind. So I think what you're creating with this virtual neighborhood is an answer to that. It has the potential to be anyway. Exactly. Yeah, I want it to be a non-church church. <laughs> so for spiritual, not religious, for witchy people who are open-minded, for atheists who kind of want some aspect of spirituality and connection and, and community in their lives. And I I called it a neighborhood because I didn't want it to be like one particular like the idea of one particular entity that's doing something like a church would that has these boundaries, but to be the entire community of care and just, just no walls to it, but however your spiritual connection is coming up in a library or, or, or in comedy or in music or in art or in a discussion group or in community service. So just any of that stuff. And I'm, I'm toying with how to, do things practically virtually. And I think it's interesting because they had the idea for the care neighborhood before the world went in quarantine and, and everyone started (laughs) going online and trying to answer these questions. This is the training ground we're all going through right now. And what I would like to say, too, to people who go over to check out the Care Neighborhood right now is it is in the very, very, very beginning stages. I know that Mariella has plans, thoughts about doing like a book club. She recently did an animal, a pet blessing on Instagram. So I think there'll be more things like that. And... It's at such the early stages and Mariella is such a great listener and collaborator that to get there now is to help shape what this thing is going to be. And that's what I think is exciting about having you on talking about it right now, because the neighborhood gets to create the neighborhood together. And I think that's really cool. 
Yes. I hope that people, if they check it out, that they see that they would be accepted there, that they can just come and let their hair down, be cozy, talk about where they're being creative for their own life or solutions for the community, share what's magical for them. And yeah, see where it builds from there. I, I want to ultimately only have the, the, the goal to care for self and each other. Mm-hmm. That's sort of the agenda. So whatever that looks like, I'd love to have input collaboration. You are welcome there. Yeah. I feel like we just kind of scratched the surface on all the things. And now people are probably like, no, no, we want more, which is good. Let's leave them wanting more. So they go check out the care neighborhood <laughs> and get to get to know you on their own time and their own terms. But can you say the URL for people that are on the go? Sure. It's thecareneighborhood.com. Very easy to remember. And now we have to end this thing with the famous question. What is one tip you have for creating the kick-ass life of your dreams? Okay. I don't know if this is related to everything we said today, but it might be. But my one tip for creating the kick-ass life of your dreams is to be curious. Be curious about yourself. Be curious about what your issues are with shame, about how you grew up, about what's going on for you. And to be gently curious, not to be curious to pass any judgment, but just to say, what's going on for me right now? What do I want to do? Why do I want to be this way? And when you answer those questions, I think, I think you know who you are and what you want to do. And I think to be curious about other people as well, rather than judgmental. So What's going on for them? How are they feeling? How can I connect with them? How can I care for them rather than judgmental so that there is an animosity towards one another? So then we're taking care of each other. Yeah. Yeah. Curiosity is, is maybe a good keyword for all of us for 2020. It's time to get curious. Why black lives matter? Why gay pride? Why, why this, why that? Why are people talking about these things? I recently had a relative who was angry about Black Lives Matter and telling me, a white person, telling me Black people this, Black people that. And I just said, you know, why don't you just listen to what they're saying? Let them tell you what mm-hmm. their experiences just listen and that's a component of curiosity like listening and curiosity go hand in hand i think so and i think that just to empathize to say to someone who says that to you i hear you're angry and i'm curious what's going on for you and i'm hearing this other side of calling for rights and i'm curious if you've thought about mm. what they are saying or are you just in your own anger right now Yeah. Yeah. Well, you're a good person to present that kind of thing because you say it in a way that is inviting as opposed to shutting someone down. And I think that's really powerful. I could talk to you all day. Why can't I stop? I don't know, because I guess I really like you, Mariella, and I'm thrilled that I get to get to share you with the podcast listeners. So thank you so much for taking the time to do this today. Oh, I appreciate you. I really like you too, Joanna. I've been a listener for a few years now, and I am so excited to be working with you, collaborating with you, and sharing my dream with 
the hippie witch community. Woohoo! It's a mutual love thing. <laughs> I loved that. That was really fun. I hope you guys enjoyed that. I hope that perhaps it convinced you that holy, magical listening might be a part of the revolution. It might be worth experimenting with in your own life, your own conversations with your friends and family and co-workers and lovers and brothers and all the people <laughs> that you interact with on a regular basis. These are good conversations to have. I hope life is treating you well. Until we meet again, much love to you. Peace.